Welcome back, my friends, to the Mail Right Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. This is episode 107, and we have a fantastic guest with us today. Her name is Samantha Belzer, and she's from Lawyer's Title. And uh, Samantha, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today and give you an opportunity to say hi to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so as you said, I'm Samantha Belzer with Lawyer's Title. I grew up in real estate. Um, I've been with lawyers for a couple of years now. I was with them previously when we were formerly known as Southland Title. Um, like I said, I grew up in real estate and been through all of the roller coasters that the industry is, but I, I think we all kind of enjoy that roller coaster a little bit, um, but I truly <laughs> enjoy it and um, very passionate about my job. <laughs> some some years it was a little more of a roller coaster <laughs> than, than others. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll come back to some questions with you in just a minute, but I want to give my co-host Jonathan a chance to say hello and introduce himself. Oh, hi. Oh, thanks, Thomas. Uh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder W uh, founder of Mailwright. Um, we help you get more leads online. We mostly do that with an automated system. That works with the power of Facebook. Back to you, Thomas. That's the trouble with running two companies, huh, Jonathan? You're not sure which one you're about to well, introduce. Well, I always, always <laughs> talked about my other company. That, yeah. uh, <laughs> At least what, you won't what, get in trouble with the sponsor here. <laughs> uh, uh, what country are we broadcasting? Yeah. And what, what day is it, Thomas? <laughs> All right. Well, and I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor here in beautiful San Diego, California, where I'm never too busy for your referrals. I help people with their real estate investments in the residential world of buying, selling, and investing. And now back to you, Samantha. Oh, be, be, be before that, Thomas, what's the, yes. weather, what's the weather like where you are? You know, I, why do you always ask me that on the one day we're overcast? Because <laughs> like, overcast, I, I could say sunny and 75, but today we're actually, believe it or not, expecting some rain today. Oh, um, good. Yeah. You're roughing it. It's going to be 100 in uh, Reno today. It's disgusting. Sorry, I just, I, I, he never lets me get away with anything, folks. So I've got, I've got, to, I've got to tease him somehow. I? Yeah, All right, back to you, Thomas. You looked at the weather report just to ask me that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, excuse us, Samantha. It's the frat house here sometimes. Um, so, title insurance. What an exciting topic. We're going to make Yes, it. quite <laughs> exciting. Well, it is if you're in the middle of a deal, folks, because yes. um, it, it's actually very important to keep yourself out of hot water. And so let's start with what is title insurance? So the question of the hour that everyone seems to ask, um, right. what title insurance is, is when you go to purchase a property, we ensure that you're not taking on any liens. So what could happen is you could have tax liens on the property, you could have child support liens, um, you could have mechanics liens. A lot of times, um, for instance, we could see like a mother add her son to title and not even know that he's got some liens to his name. All of a sudden, they now attach to the property and he's got child support tax liens attached to that property. So when they go to sell, they have to satisfy those. So we make sure that there's no risk for that buyer coming in and that's what we ensure. Or we'll also see a lot of times with investors nowadays, you know, they're flipping these properties so quickly that the property tax liens take a little bit to catch up. And all of a yep. sudden down the road, they're now attached to a different property that they now own. So I've seen that where it just chases them property to property and we got to clear those up. But um, lawyer's title is part of the Fidelity National Finance um, Corporation. 
and we make up the largest title insurance company in the world. So we underwrite all of our own policies, um, and just to have that backing is absolutely phenomenal. So, and just to clear it up, because I mean, we have listeners that are new in the industry to very seasoned realtors, brokers, investors, and entrepreneurs that have nothing to do with real estate. Um, when we're talking about liens, we're essentially talking about an outside party has uh, an interest in the property um, because the owner of that property owes them money. And that, so right. a lien is more or less a bill that's right. attached to the property and the property can't transfer title, meaning exactly. my, my name can't come off it and turn it into Jonathan's name until all those liens or money owed um, is paid off. Exactly. Exactly. And um, and you brought up a term that, which I know causes some confusion. Uh, a mechanics lien is not your car mechanic. Folks. No, <laughs> that's for, and that's a very important one to bring up because with all these fix and flips, what a mechanics lien represents is uh, a contractor or a homeowner uh, that owns the property that did not pay all his tradesmen, and now they've put liens against the property. And so that is definitely something we look out for on fix and flips. Because uh, it's not unheard of that some of these fix and flippers aren't the most, uh, well, let's yeah. just say ethical. <laughs> it happens all the time. And, um, you know, when we, it's really funny because a lot of people think, a lot of sellers or investors think, you know, they're going to get away with not paying and mm -hmm. they don't disclose. And then it pops up and it's like, surprise. Um, we've had even refis where all of a sudden we go to record and the mechanics lien pops up at the last minute they were doing a construction loan mm -hmm. and blew the whole entire deal. It's got, you know, we cannot close on it until that's taken care of and right. paid. Well, and, and this, um, probably the worst one I ever dealt with was, um, I was helping somebody sell a property and we were by the skin of our teeth avoiding a short sale. And that was only because we had a very generous buyer on the other side that understood it was to his advantage, too, to keep us from being a short sale. Uh, so here we are thinking problem solved. We're, we're, we're going to sell it for a, a couple bucks more than it's owed on it. Everyone's going to get paid off. And in the 11th hour shows up a child support lien uh. out of nowhere, $14,000 out of nowhere. And so who's going to pay that? <laughs> right. Right. So th this is exactly why um, in my world for residential real estate, uh, a preliminary title report is crucial because we get to, to see all this in advance. And Absolutely. probably one of the biggest mistakes I see investors make, especially at auction when they're buying a property, they don't bother to get any kind of title, uh, preliminary title uh, reports on the property. And, and then we're back to what you were saying earlier they've got a lien chasing them around now because they own the property. Well, and that's just it. I always advise all of my clients, whether they're an investor, whether they're an agent, a lender, to always do your homework. Open up that prelim the second you get word that you're going to take the listing. And like you said, you're going to purchase a property at auction. You want to know what you're getting yourself into. So all of a sudden, when you open up escrow, you're not shocked by all of these things that are starting to pop up. So it's definitely nice to kind of put the cart before the horse yep. in this instance, because that way you know exactly what's going on on the property. And that's what we're here for. We do these title searches, dig in, we get, dig into public records. We do everything we can to find out anything that's going on on the property. So, and one of the important things about title insurance, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if, 
if something like that is missed, if you don't catch an IRS lien or you don't catch that there's another par- party on the title that shows up in the 11th hour and says, hey, I never signed off on selling this property, uh, that's what the insurance is protecting the buyer from is yes. um, and you take the you take the responsibility for that. We take the risk, yes. Right. Um, we have one of those actually one of my clients right now, exact scenario that you just said that you know the um, investor bought the property, the seller sold it to us, he inherited the property. The ex-wife was the executor of the estate. And um, she's now claiming that she was supposed to be one of the heirs to it, which she was not. He was the sole heir to it. Their divorce is finalized, and now she's coming back after it, after we've closed escrow. So now they're making a claim on the policy. In other words, I mean, the seller was pretty fraudulent and didn't represent himself. I think he was in on it, to be honest. But things like that happen. I mean, it happens every day. And I'm going to ask you a couple questions that – you know, obviously from being in the industry, I know the answers to, but I want to make sure that this, this is clear. I don't want to gloss over anything. And these are some questions that I get from my clients sometimes. So I want to share them with our listeners. And that is, who is title insurance protecting? Is it the buyer, the seller, or ultimately is it both? Ultimately, it's the buyer is who you're truly, truly protecting. Yes, the seller in most cases is paying the policy, but Mm -hmm. you're truly protecting the buyer because the buyer doesn't know what they're getting themselves into. They find a house, they're happy, you know, they just want to get into this new home, but there could be, you know, a whole another story to it. You never know with what's going on with the seller. Well, and the thing is, too, is that the seller, as you mentioned before, can benefit from it, even though they're paying for it, essentially to assure the buyer everything's kosher. The uh, bottom line is um, you want to know these things in advance. Um, That's why, you know, I always uh, pull a a preliminary title report, do a property inspection and a a pest inspection in California properties uh, as a given, unless the seller is just unable to do these because these are all advanced warning systems. This is, this is our Doppler radar. Um, okay, so here's another question I get asked by clients a lot. Um, is it optional? Uh, do, as this, I get a lot of sellers that say to me, do I have to do this? Yes, I mean, no lender is gonna sign off on it um, if you do not have title insurance. They're not gonna do it. It's a huge, huge risk. And even I've got people who buy auction properties Um, at tax auctions and title insurance won't even cover those. And to look at that, that's an extreme, extreme risk. And like I said, you cannot get a loan without it. And then what the other question I get posed, well, this is a cash deal. Why do I need title insurance? Once again, I mean, it's true protection for the buyer. It doesn't matter if you have a cash or a loan. I mean, you don't want, you don't want to take on a property that you don't know what's truly going on on it, especially if you're plugging in all this cash into it. I, to me personally, that's a bigger risk than having a loan on it. You're paying all this cash and you don't even know what's going on on the property. I agree. Uh, it's amazing though. You know, it's funny. People are, uh, in San Diego, the average home, you know, arguably is about 500,000 bucks. They're spending half a million dollars and they're arguing about spending a couple hundred bucks mm. on the policy. <laughs> it's funny, but it, these are the questions we get asked in the field. Yeah, it happens, you know, and everyone wants a discount. And like you said, I mean, it's all relative when you're selling half a million dollar homes and that's the median home price. And you're looking at policies that are barely anything just to protect you. And then you look at how much you spend in car insurance and health insurance. 
and things like that. This is the biggest investment in your life and you're not going to protect yourself. I mean, you look at that, it, it's all relative. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because I mean, for the most part, title insurance is, uh, my understanding it's regulated. I mean, it's, it doesn't vary tremendously from company to company, but no. are, uh, so can you talk a, uh, a little bit about how the pricing works? So the pricing basically, you know, everything is regulated now by the Department of Insurance. Um, we have posted rates now. It used to be that we could discount policies. You know, it's a friend of a friend. We can throw in a discount. Now, because we're so regulated, and honestly, it's better that we're regulated. Um, we have posted rates. We have to go off of those rates because if something were to happen and the Department of Insurance comes in and they audit a file and say, well, this person paid this amount and this person paid that amount. We've got a whole different can of worms on our hands. Yeah. Um, so each title insurance company, yes. I mean, we're usually within dollars of each other. Yeah. Um, and we do offer the same policies. Obviously, there are bigger companies like my company out there versus other companies. And just to know that you have the financial stability with a bigger company and they're underwriting their own policies. Because we do see some companies, especially after 08 happened, we saw a lot of these companies close their doors, sell, sell everything off, and then you're chasing it, trying to figure out who now currently has the policy. And personally, like I said, this is my own opinion, it's better to go with a bigger company that you know are underwriting their own policies and have the financial backing. You know, I was surprised uh, to read on your website that your company in, in all forms, I, I assume combined, as you said, there was a name change a while back, but uh, it's been around since 1925. Yes. Um, yes. It, now, did they, where, where did they originate? They originated on the East Coast. Okay. And that's, then, why we have, that's why we have the name Lawyer's Title, because there are so many attorney states on the East Coast, and it originally was lawyers who founded it. Right. And, and that's a big... Uh, uh, well, it's a detail, let's say, that a lot of people aren't aware of is that a lot of the things we do as realtors in California, a lawyer does on the East Coast. Uh, when I speak with my friends, uh, say, on Active Rain, our national uh, blog network, the, um, the differences in how each state runs and what's legal and what's illegal from yes. state to state, it's amazing the differences. It really is. And you look at California... Title is mean, especially like as a rep myself, my relationships are with agents like yourself and with lenders. Now you go to New York and the agents are not dictating who title and escrow are. That's the attorneys who are dictating that. So those relationships are truly with them. Yeah. I did, um, I was an escrow rep in Dallas, Texas for a little bit. And that's a whole different ballgame as well. Yep. You know, it's, it's not everything's combined. It's round table closings. It's not the same at all. So it does vary big time state to state and what is regulated, what is not. And I, California, I will say with SB 133, we are, and that's Senate Bill 133, we are probably one of the most regulated because it was kind of like the Wild West back in 07. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's funny because, um, one of the, and I'm going to sidebar just for a minute here. One of the concerns I always have with buyers that bring in their own lenders with them is sometimes they're using out-of-state lenders and especially places like Texas. They do things so differently um, that they think we're going to do it the way they do it in Texas when they have to adapt to the way we do it in California. And you mentioned the closings and, you know, that's a two to three day event in California where it's, it's sitting at a table in Texas. 
Yes, you know, exactly. All sitting. So, you know, my East Coast clients always ask me why they're not getting handed keys when they're signing their loan docs <laughs> in California. So it really does vary. In fact, even, you know, having worked in Northern California early in my career and now in Southern California, uh, California behaves like two different states. They do. North to South. Uh, it's totally, it's actually the opposite down here than it is up there. It really is. Okay, well, I um, think uh, from the look on Jonathan's face, it's time for our commercial. So I'm going to uh, toss it over to him and then we'll come back with some more uh, questions for you, Samantha. Yeah, we're going to go for our commercial. Can't even talk today, folks. We're going to go for our commercial today, folks. And then uh, we'll be back in a second and we'll be talking some more with the delectable Samantha. Be back in a minute. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRight. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We're going to continue our discussion. I've got a question, actually, Thomas. Okay. Oh, go um, so, you know, I was thinking of international uh, buyers. Um, yes. Now, obviously, you're part of the world. There's a lot, probably a lot of interest internationally from the far, from the far east, from China, Japan. Yes. Um, have you got the experience to really deal with international? Because I found with a lot of uh, American financial institutions the mention of foreign um elements they just literally um freeze up at the word actually yeah we do um i have because i mainly focus on the metro area of san diego and downtown um we have a lot of foreign buyers that come into downtown i have a lot of agents who work with people in dubai in china in japan and so we really try and provide, we uh, provide like on and off market stats because they constantly want to see what the market is doing before they wire money and purchase property out here. So it's a totally different ballgame when it comes to marketing to them. Um, but we help our clients with that. And we are starting to see a lot more of international buyers. So I would imagine because of the um, Patrick, um, Patrick, um, certain um, legislation after 9-11 about the transfer of monies from um, offshore accounts. Is the, is the threshold, the amount of work that you have to do quite higher? It these? is. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, we definitely have to research it much more so. So that is, that is the tough part about it, I will say. Because, <laughs> I mean, we see it all the time. I, I mean, I see people from China constantly where it's like, we'll just wire the money and we'll own the property. I'm like, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not going to happen, is it? Yeah. No. <laughs> we're all working harder now than we ever were, Jonathan. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the, the funny part, and I was talking to one of my clients who's a lawyer, and he said the exact same thing yesterday. Um, the legal field and the, re uh, the real estate industry uh, there's no more arriving at a certain point in your career and resting on your laurels. I mean, you have to go hard your whole career at this point because of technology, competition, uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, it's just a different ball game, and it's it's not for the faint of heart, and it's definitely not a part-time uh, job anymore. Uh, no. 
So, and that's, that's kind of the importance of having a good team, you know, from a real estate standpoint, you want to have a solid team of title escrow lenders, uh, tradesmen that do your inspections and so forth, because uh, it, it, it's not, I, I, you know, it's still fun to be in real estate, but it, it's gotten a lot more serious is the only way I can put it. There's just, there's really no room um, for the, what seemed to be a little bit of the levity of the industry before is it's, it's not quite the way it used to be. No, it, it's really not. And I know we've had this conversation before and with when everything changed, it was kind of nice because it did like a cleanse, although it regulated a lot more. It did a nice cleanse of the people that weren't conducting themselves professionally. And um, for agents, you know, it was a lot easier. You know, they didn't have to go out and hit the streets and prospect and, you know, deals were falling in their laps left and right. And it is kind of nice when you go through that roller coaster that the cleanse does happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, I was going to ask Thomas a quick question, um, obviously related to the subject. So, you know, you're representing a seller and have you found an enormous difference in title companies and the way you've been served? Um, and what are some, you know, if, have you got any tips for some, maybe some junior agents about who, they should work with when it comes around this area, Thomas. Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. Thanks for asking me that because that's actually what brings Samantha into my fold is what, you know, what I was saying before is true. The expectations of our clients of us are, are gone up exponentially because they're more educated. And so you can't, you can't BS your way through real estate. You got to know what you're talking about because in most cases your clients are doing so much research that they, they know as much or more than you do for about a particular area because they're focused on it. Uh, and the same is true for realtors of their title and escrow. And my title needs, where they were kind of generic for the, um, the majority of my career, dramatically changed in the last, uh, I'm going to say, seven years. And that also uh, started creating a shift in who I focused my needs on. Uh, I, it was no longer the default title company that I always used because they were not delivering to me the extras that helped me create the business that sends it back to them. And, and lawyers um, originally was introduced to me um, through a transaction that I didn't get to pick title and escrow on. And lawyers happened to be the choice of that seller and I got a taste of what it was like to work with them and they were extremely professional and they stood out to me. So, and then over time, uh, Samantha and her partner uh, chipped away and chipped away and, and, <laughs> and got a meeting with me. And, um, and, and it, but what it what really was, was what they had to offer met the need I had at the right moment. And, and they're helping me not only uh, with my title needs, but they're helping me grow my business because of the tools they offer. So, and, and that is where I'm going to defer to Samantha to talk about what differentiates lawyers from a lot of the other title companies, because even though financially, they're not going to cost you much different. And in a sense, they're a commodity in that regard, where they become a very unique selling proposition is the extras that they can legally offer agents as far as help in growing their businesses and I'm, I'm just going to compliment Samantha right here that lawyers is one of the ones that are very proactive about it. Um, but Samantha, 
that was actually going to be one of my questions is how, how do you go about partnering with agents, um, staying within the RESPA guidelines, um, which is our governing body to make sure that you're not bribing us right. and uh, bribing our clients for business right. essentially and we're right. ethical. But, you know, tell us about some of the tools and, 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 and the, um, the services that you offer agents that really do separate you. So, like you said earlier, I mean, most title companies can offer the same things. Our pricing is all very similar. Where I really try and set myself aside is I like to be a resource. How can I help you build your business? Um, because there are it's extremely competitive in the title world. Um, I'm sure you get hounded daily by yep. um, competitors. Same thing with lenders. And it's really, truly how we can help you grow your business. So, as I sit down with a client, I always like to see how they're prospecting, what they're farming, um, what areas they're looking at, if they're just strictly marketing to their sphere of influence. Um, and I really try and have an edge on everything. I'm constantly going through new training and finding new tools because the real estate industry is ever changing. You have to really be cutting edge when it comes to that. Um, and if you don't, then someone else is going to get the business because I like to call my partner and I call ourselves like the concierge. We're always available because your job is 24 seven. Our job has to be 24 seven. And if we help you grow your business in turn, that's going to grow our business. So it's all, it's all one big circle to be honest. And like I said, with millennials coming in, the real estate industry is really, really changing and you have to be up on what's new, what's upcoming. And I'm always a Guinea pig for any new farming tool um, marketing tool because I want to know what works and what doesn't. And I, my biggest thing is being able to respond instantly to my clients and always be available. So I put together and it is hard because like I said, back in 07, 08, you didn't, you weren't so highly regulated. So there was a lot of buying business and, and doing things um, not by the book. And so you really, it's really relationship based now, which in some ways I prefer because I truly try and build my clientele that with people that are going to be loyal to me because yep. I help them in some ways. Yeah. So, and being a new realtor in the business, my biggest piece of advice that I always tell people is build your team, find yep. your loyal people, find that lender that you can lean on night and day. Who's going to be there for your clients and make you look like a superstar, find your title in escrow. To be honest, there's good, bad and ugly escrow officers and You'll see it throughout all of your transactions, but find that one that will jump through hoops for you. Same thing with title. Find the one that is going to help you grow your business and truly stay true to those people. And people are going to drop the ball. It happens. We're humans. But at the same time, you definitely want to have that team to support you. Well, and you know, and it's like you were saying, I mean, back in the day, you know, yeah, it was great to be taken to lunch or they were throwing tchotchkes your way but right. at the end of the day that doesn't build the relationship i mean and that's any way the wind blows i mean that's every day you can go to lunch every day in this industry on somebody trying to uh, milk business out of you but right. it's the people that you can count on that you are going to make you look good to your clients because your clients are being taken care of by them as, as at a standard that you take care of them uh it's it's also because you know, when, when I build a team that includes uh, folks like you, Samantha, I learn from you. It's not just me looking at you like, hey, I'm the, I'm the lead here. It's, it, we're a tribe and we're all teaching each other our, our skills. And, uh, it, and so that's something that you, you want to have a team where you can be vulnerable 
to learn. You need to, you need to uh, be able to feel comfortable that you don't know it all, and you need to surround yourself with people that, you know, in other words, hire your weaknesses. You know, and you don't need to be good at everything. You just need to be surrounded by people that are and be willing to learn from them. Uh, and so you can go out and do what you're an expert at doing, which is bringing in the business. Right. So, now, I've got another quick question for you, Thomas, uh, around the subject. So you were talking about getting a provisional report, title report, yes. and you're representing a seller. Have you ever had a seller that's totally refused to have one? And if that's the case, isn't it a total alarm bell situation? It's really telling you that there is something wrong. And if that's your feeling about it, um, how do you, how have you dealt with it? I'm just asking this as a kind of um, giving information maybe to some junior agents that are listening to the show. You know what? I, I, I've never had that happen, uh, but I don't think I set myself up to ever have it happen. And, and that's because... You, this is what, what I was saying earlier. You, you've got to know what you're doing. When, when I go in, I don't ask people, uh, is this the way it's going to go? I, I show people this is how we do it here. Right. Now, there are certain questions I do ask. I, I don't want to come across like, hey, I'm a know-it-all and this is, this is how it goes. But there are certain things uh, like, you know, I, I, I don't say, would you like to get a property inspection before we come on the MLS? I go, when would you like to set up the property inspection? Uh, you know, it, it, it's a matter of fact, and so is a preliminary title report. But to your question, is it a red flag if they don't want to do it? Yes, it is. And, and, and in my world, at this point in my career, everything comes to a screeching halt until that's addressed. Because as Samantha's already pointed out, uh, that's, a, that's a very <laughs> required document, and I don't want to get into hot water. Um, you know, there's, you know, it's the, it's the same mentality people have. Well, if I don't go to the doctor, he can't tell me I have cancer, so I don't have cancer. You know, but if you have it, you got to deal with it. So there, there's no postponing it. It's going to rear its ugly head. And as Samantha alluded to earlier, uh, if it happens during escrow, it typically will kill a deal. Whereas if you find out prior to going on the market, you can deal with it then and you know what? You're going to have to face the fact that once in a while, dealing with it means this house isn't going on the market right now. It's going to get postponed until this is dealt with. And, and, and you got to have the professional uh, viewpoint of that, you know, when, you, you, you list it when it's right. And when it's right, it means you, you have clear title or at least you, you find out you don't have clear title, but you've got people in, in place to start clearing that title and you have the ability to do so. I was, gonna ask, I was going to ask, yeah, it was fantastic, Tom. I was just going to ask um, Samantha, obviously, um, because of uh, confidentiality and um, the industry you're in, you can't give specifics. But have you got any kind of funny stories? What's been the most bizarre um, situation you found yourself in, in doing this, Samantha? Um, I'm just trying to think, you know, I see so many <laughs> different things. Um, we see some interesting names on LLCs all the time. Um, you know, I had one where they had $150,000 in unpaid taxes. Oof. And, you know, the agent knew about it. And I mean, unfortunately, they just collected their rent on their income property every single month and never, never paid their property tax and thought, you know what, I'm going to go to sell, I'm going to make this huge profit. And 
this is how it's going to be. And I mean, it fell out of escrow three times and finally all said and done, they got it closed and they, they walked away with hardly anything because they didn't pay the property tax. And it's like lesson learned, you know, just, just pay for it. It's not that big of a deal. Or we'll we'll see. It becomes more than just the taxes because then you have the late fees and all the Exactly. Exactly. That's just it. And that's what people don't understand is they will get you on those fees. I mean, and they add up quick. I mean, real quick. Um, A lot of times we'll see where, you know, you've got a common name and it'll say, you know, this person is on title and truly it's not that person. You know, John Smith, there's a million John Smiths in the world and you truly have to figure out their true identity and go through all of it. because we've had some where they had all these child support liens. In fact, this is a funny story. My partner recently refied his house and a child support lien popped up. He doesn't have any children. And he's, he's owned this house. Oh, where's that one come from? (laughs) Yeah. He's, he has owned this house for, you know, 15 years. And he's like, where did this come from? I bet that was an interesting (laughs) discussion with his partner. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) our title officer looks it up and is like, oh, I didn't know you had children. Where where did these children come from? They come out of the the title. (laughs) So, yeah, and that, you know, when that happens, you just have to prove your identity and he has a common name. So it it happens. Yeah, Um, that actually happened to me, uh, the exact same (laughs) thing uh, when I was doing a refi a few years back and I had to, prove that I, um, in my case, I did have a kid and I had been divorced, but I was very much up to date. And, uh, but I have also a common name and uh, I, I very often have to, uh, they, they provide you a form called a, an AKA form and it gives you a list of all the names where they've pulled your name up and you have to explain every version of your name. Um, and, and, and oftentimes the explanation is that's just not me. Um, but you know, I want to piggyback on your question, Jonathan. So, Samantha, you're you're around realtors all day long, and I'm and I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you seem to have a good personality and attitude, despite that. So, uh, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly? What do you see best practices agents doing out there that impresses you, and maybe a cautionary tale to help our newer agents avoid? You know. I truly believe, I mean, because we've got so many different brokerages out there too, and I always, and this is my own personal opinion, I always advise new agents because it's such a doggy dog world and it's so competitive that if you are a new agent, join a brokerage that is going to offer you support or join a team that you truly have a mentor. Because when you go through real estate school, they're not teaching you forms, they're not teaching you any of that, and then all of a sudden you get into your first transaction and you're going to get eaten alive. And so that, I mean, when it comes to new agents, that's my biggest um, piece of advice. And I see a lot of agents out there that are like, you know, what are you going to do for my business? And truly when I see agents like that, I'm trying to build, just like you said earlier, my, my clientele, I'm building around being loyal as well. And people that are doing their best practices and are honest, because honestly, when people, there are shady people out there still to this day in mm-hmm. our buying business. And mm-hmm. when one goes down, they all go down. And yep. that's what I always advise is that if it's too good to be true, it usually is. Yep. And there's no easy, fast way to make a quick buck. There's really not. You've got to do it right. It's going to take you time and you're going to have to hustle. And, and that's truly what it is. I mean, no one got to where they're at overnight. And if they did, they did something wrong. 
That's great advice because I tell you, it's often said in this industry and in real estate, it's, it, it's, a, it's the worst infomercial in the world because real estate is hard work. It's really what it comes down to. I mean, you can work smart, but you still have hard work ahead of you. It's, um, it's not for the faint of heart anymore. It's not the part-time job, uh, the image of that, you know, 1980s, you know, I, I can remember um, growing up, my, my stepfather was a cop and there was a couple police officers that were realtors on the side. You, I don't think you could pull that off anymore. <laughs> it's tough, you know, and it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you hire a realtor that they're working for free until you close escrow and they want you to cut commissions and they, they want you to do all of that. And it's like, you're putting these people in your car, you're showing them property and they think, yes, real estate is the most profitable industry in the world. But at the same point, you've got to look at they're also the most underpaid because a lot of it they're not getting paid for until, like I said, until you close escrow. And I always tell new agents too, you know, don't get emotional because the second you get emotional about it, everything falls apart. And I understand there's going to be some transactions that you want to pull your hair out and, you know, the buyers get cold feet or all of a sudden they go, you know what, I just don't want to buy anymore. And, and you've shown them property for the past 90 days, every single Saturday. And now you're going, I wasted all this money, but you also have to, and you learn with time, you pre-qualify your buyers ahead of time. You set the legwork. And like you said earlier, you know, when you go into a listing appointment, you set the precedence, you know, you tell, you say exactly, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, some people don't like it, but honestly, honesty gets you so far. And if you're transparent with everything up front, you're going to do well. You really are. Well, that's good advice because, you know, it's, if you walk into a situation, whether you're negotiating with another agent on a deal or negotiating with a seller to get the right to list their home and they get any sense that they can override you and this is how it's going to be, not the way you said it, they're going to do it. They, yeah. it you know, the, the, you, they're, they're like the lion out there on the, on the Serengeti <laughs> sniffing out the weak one. They will, they will pounce. So yeah, you, you really have to know your craft and your numbers and your market and go in and, and be strong about it. And you're not going to win them all. And you, and yeah. that's got to be okay too. You know, you, you know, and it's, I know it's tough in the beginning cause you need to get going, but um, you, you need to get your business going. You need to earn a living, but, and you're right. You, you know, there's, um, you know, we, there's a lot of uh, attack on our commissions because they see, you know, especially sellers, they see what the fee is. You know, they see 3% translates to $14,000. But what they don't see is that a third of that's going to Uncle Sam. Right. And another third of that's going to all the expenses that right. are not only attached to their deal, but to staying in business. So, you know, there are some there, we did this once in our office and I'll never do it again because it was so disheartening. We did, we took apart a deal by the hour and it, we realized that the person would have made better money working at McDonald's for a month yeah. than selling the house they sold between the commission hit they took and the concessions they made. They, they went out and fixed a couple problems for people that they really shouldn't have volunteered for. I'm all for fixing, you know, if, if a $200 problem can save a $14,000 commission, right. great. But there are situations where, again, if, if you're not strong, they'll lean into you and go, hey, well, you know, this, this is an issue, but, you know, $300 would make it go away, Mr. Realtor, you know, and, and, and they're waiting for you to chomp on the bait. It's, it's so true. And that's why I say, you know, real estate is the most underpaid industry 
truly when you look at everything that the realtors do, and a lot of times I'll have realtors who they'll email me and go, you know, they want me to cut my commission. What should I do? And my biggest thing I always say is whatever profession they're in, when you go to Nordstrom's, can you ask the sales clerk, can you, can you discount these? No, you, you can't. And you truly have to show them what you're bringing to the table. And, you know, you have brokerages out there who are offering, you know, discounted commission fees, yep. but at the same time you pay for what you get. Well, and, you know, and uh, I use this line all the time. I got it from Brian Buffini many years ago, and Nordstrom's never panics when Walmart has a sale. You got to know who you are. You're either Nordstrom's or you're Walmart and know who your audience is and then act accordingly. But, you know, it's... um, it, it is a challenge in our industry and it's only getting more challenging because there are, especially in a, in a you know, nationwide um, speaking to realtors across uh, actually the nation and Canada. Um, it's a seller's market in many uh, parts of the country still, and which gives the perception that it's an easy market. So why should I pay you all this money? But the, it doesn't get easier. One aspect of it may look easier. It's quicker to sell a home, but now you're dealing with 20 offers. How do you pick the right offer? That becomes the new challenge. And so, so there's always a challenge that expertise is required, but we kind of do it to ourselves as realtors when all we do is try to be all that flash and we don't ever... We show them like the benefits of the money we make, you know, with the fancy car and the posing with, you know, all the goofy <laughs> trinkets and stuff that show up, you know, my, my big watch. Right, right. But we don't, we don't demonstrate our value. We don't properly communicate what we're doing to deliver the goods to earn that fee, we, you know, because right. we do earn that fee. Uh, but we, we do a poor job of both separating ourselves uh, so we're not commoditized and proving what we do is something that not the average person can do. Right. Well, that was great, Thomas. Shall we go and wrap up now? Thomas? Yeah, we probably should. Cause I, I Samantha put me on my soapbox. On this. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh man. Well, the title got more exciting as we went on. <laughs> Samantha, I want to thank you for joining us here and um, any closing thoughts or, or anything I didn't ask you that I should have, that you want to mention? Um, you know, if anyone ever has any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, like I always say, I'm never too busy um, and I'm always available. Like I said, it, this job is 24-7 and I'm always a resource. So, and there's never any stupid questions in this business. And if people wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch best with you? Best way, um, my phone number is 619-916-8565 or my email is samantha.belzer, B-E-L-Z-E-R at ltic.com. And we'll put your contact information up on the show notes too for folks. And uh, just one last quick question, social media wise, what's your uh, social media of choice? Um, right now, I've, I really wasn't on Facebook for the longest time, but I had to bite the bullet. Um, so Facebook is my social media of choice, um, business wise. And then personally, because I like to share my family photos, that's mainly on my Instagram. Okay. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience with us on the show today. And uh, Jonathan, you want to say a few words before we sign off? Yeah, basically how people can get hold of me, folks. It's quite easy. You can either get us on the the MailRite Facebook page. Um, you could email me at jonathan at mail-right.com or you can get hold of me through LinkedIn. They're the main ways that you can probably get. And how can people get hold of you, Thomas? 
Well, they can come find me on my soapbox out here on the corner. <laughs> Man, they got me all fired up today. I got some good cathartic therapy today. Got that off my chest. Uh, ThomasJNelsonRealtor.com. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and of course, Active Rain blog site. And um, you can reach me the old-fashioned way. Call or text me, 858-232-8722. Folks, we appreciate you uh, checking in with us each week, listening and downloading. Uh, we'd love for you to leave us your feedback on wherever you listen, uh, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or other. Um, give us your uh, impressions of the show, and as well as any future guests that you think would be a good uh, interview or topics you want us to cover. We're totally open to your suggestions, um, and we appreciate you uh, tuning in each week. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you next week with another great guest. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.